resume is an upbeat discussion that puts your journey into overdrive. In each episode, we talk with a local community leader, business owner, or a rising professional as we go beyond their resume and into who they are as people. We will discuss career tips, ways to sharpen your skills, the importance of community, and so much more. I'm Andrew Lerner, and... I'm Abby Otto, and I work with Carrie Ingredients in Beloit as the Sustainability Specialist grad. And I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Mark Perry. Mark, thanks for coming. And would you mind telling us a little bit about who you are and anything you want to include in your introduction, really? Sure. Uh, Mark Perry. I'm the Executive Director of Community Action Inc. of Rockamore Counties. We are the largest nonprofit human service agency in our area. Um, our organization has been around for 58 years. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah. We are, our agency is a product of Lyndon Johnson's Great Society legislation, is War on Poverty. There are about 1,100 community action agencies across the country. Wow. Um, most of us are private nonprofits that work together in state and then regional and then national networks to address issues of poverty and, econ- and get move families toward economic self reliance. Um, I was born and raised in Beloit. Okay. Um, Left Beloit at the age of 17, a couple of days after I graduated from high school, vowing never to move back here. <laughs> as, we, as we all do, like our, in our cities, we're born and raised, we're like, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll move somewhere else. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, after a really awesome professional journey, I uh, moved back to Beloit in 2006 to take a position with Community Action as their planning and development director, and then over the years worked my way through supervising virtually every program and service that the agency offers. And then okay. in June of 2020, I was promoted to executive director. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess, so kind of break that journey down a little bit. Like, um, how did you get to, I guess, get the position, or how did you get familiar with Community Action before actually um, getting into, like, this position? So I had actually never heard of Community Action Hmm. when I lived here as a young person, which was really interesting. Um, I'd run run across Community Action agencies periodically in my professional journey, um, working in different communities across the country. Um, and then found out that there was this great organ- long-standing organization in my own community. Yeah. At the time, I was living and working um, in suburban Chicago. I was okay. actually okay. the community programs director for a children's museum called Cold Children's oh, Museum. Oh, sure. Um, loved that job, loved that opportunity. Le- had a lot about early learning, early literacy. Mm. Yeah. Learned a lot about museum science. It was an excellent yeah. opportunity. That's but really cool. um, yeah. I wanted to get back into um, working with youth, working with families and found out that there was going to be this opportunity at Community Action in my own community. And I've been working with youth and families in other cities over the years. Um, primarily, I spent about a decade living and working in St. Louis, working with youth and families in the housing projects in St. Louis and East St. Louis. And one took a couple of years off to do the work in Chicago, at okay. suburban Chicago, but then wanted to get back into the work and thought about wanting to move home and come and do that work. Okay. Um, and Community Action afforded me that opportunity. So awesome. in 2006, I took a job with Community Action and hit the ground running, and it's been an amazing ride the past 17 years working for the organization. Wow. That's so, cool to hear that transition of yeah. how it all progressed. So since 2006, what are the different areas you've spent your time in within, within the organization? So Not a quiz. They don't have to oh name yeah, them all, no. but just like out <laughs> no. of curiosity, the evolution of it all. So grant writing and fundraising was my initial position, so fund development. Um, Looking at coming into the organization, community action agencies historically didn't do a lot of their own fund development. Okay. Really great at grant writing, so federal grants, state grants, local yes. grants were a lot of our budget. But private fund development wasn't an aspect of the agency that was strong. So a lot of my emphasis when I first got in was to grow literally from scratch our fund development department. Yeah, um, that, that's a challenge. It was. It's it no was a major feet. challenge. Yeah. Um, and then kind of changed the mindset of... of 
kind of the organization and the prof raise the profile of the organization. I remember when I first started working there, um, my executive director at the time, Lisa Furseth, okay. who now um, heads the Hendricks Family Foundation, oh, okay. um, one of the things she said to me was that community action is the best kept secret in two counties. Uh, it's your responsibility to change that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's very helpful. So that's you said about you know you said about raising the profile of the agency. Fortunately, I walked into an organization that was doing really incredible work already, mm -hmm. um, really amazing people doing great work all the time, but an organization that was so busy doing its work didn't have much time to tell its story. Yeah. So sure. part of my mission was to get out get out in the public, out in the community, and really tell the story of the organization and highlight some of the amazing work that we were doing. So that, you know, that... I, that mission over the last 17 years has been significant because I don't know that there is a par pocket of this community or this county that doesn't know something about community action or isn't familiar yes. with community action. And so that we, we've been really successful at raising our profile, bringing in additional resources, making additional friends, but also making our services available and aware to so many more people in our communities. Yeah. Yeah, that's half the battle. I feel like especially in the community work side of things, you're so busy doing the work, like you said. It's like... Yeah. You don't have time to it's, tell the story? Yeah, absolutely. And that's sometimes what people want to hear is like, how did you get here? You know, mm -hmm. um, what are you doing and why do you care about that? You don't know what you don't know. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of <laughs> like nobody's at, at blame or at fault. But it's I feel like it's that way in all areas of working oh, too, yeah. right? Like if you're so caught up in the day-to-day -day and the important work that you're doing that it's hard to tell the story. So it's cool yeah. that, they, that you've had the opportunity to spread that awareness. Yeah, you're right. There's... I feel like not a pocket of the community that doesn't know what community action does, which is awesome. Yes. I grew up in Roscoe, and so I moved away for school and then came back to Beloit, and as soon as I was in Beloit, like, that's one of the names that you hear swirling around pretty soon, as soon as you get plugged in, working at a big employer like I do, that kind of thing, too. It's been cool to hear, I don't know, more of the, the evolution of the, of the story of the organization, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's been an amazing journey the past 17 years, just watching us grow and evolve, um, watching us address historical you know issues of historical poverty looking at housing looking at homelessness looking at hunger but then also looking at those next levels how do we first provide make sure everybody has their basic needs and then how do we move people beyond that to economic self-reliance so watching the growth of our employment and training programming to get people back into jobs get people who are unemployed or underemployed to living wage employment watching the growth of our youth programming and our adult preparation programs as we work with teens and young adults especially to get them acclimated and get them ready for the workforce um, that's been really incredible work. It's just the success stories on those two ends have been amazing um, for some of the young people and some of the adults that we've worked with over the years to see them go from zero income to, you know, successfully managing their household mm -hmm. and, and having a living wage job and being able to take care of their families. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess, um, you know, I guess that's a good segue to ask. Um, what are some of your most proud, of, proud of accomplishments you've had? With, with any of the programs or something or a recent yeah. you know, a recent accomplishment that you've had. So just to, I mean just stepping into the role of executive director, you know that is a it is a unique role. Even community action agencies are unique even amongst other nonprofits because the varied work that we do we're spread in so many areas of human mm -hmm. services. So being able to run an organization that is that. Um, that has that much going on, being able to manage that on a day-to-day -day basis and make sure we're productive and make sure that we're, we're actually doing everything that we say we, we want to do. It's, it's a job that I stepped into um, and have learned, you know, you have to have a great deal of humil humility when you step into that space. Mm -hmm. 
what's been great about stepping in is that just, you know, because I was involved in all aspects of programming prior to stepping into that role is having a really clear understanding of what my program staff have to do and what their roles and responsibilities are. So being, yeah, and being able to support them as much as possible because I do have that hands-on experience working with youth and working with family. So mm -hmm. that's been really awesome, being able to really step in and help and support. Um, watching some of our staff grow and mature, watching some of our staff evolve and take leadership positions in, in the agency over the years as people have aged out, as people have retired, and watching staff that you know I worked with or trained with or mentored mm -hmm. yeah. who are now in leadership positions within the agency now is really amazing. Excellent. So. Okay. Definitely something to be proud of. I don't know. The evolution is a story in itself that you've gotten to live every day of like oh, you've, yeah. you've been in those roles. You've been alongside those people and you still are, but just in a different way. Yeah. The ability to start a program and then get it to the point where it's stable and then watch somebody else come in and step in and not just keep it going, but yeah. grow that program beyond yeah, even your wildest dreams has been in a few of the cases with programs that I've worked with has been an incredible situation to watch. So mm -hmm. that's some of the things I'm really proud of is creating a creating a program or managing a program to the point where it's stable but then being able to coach and mentor somebody else to come in and step in That's, make yeah. it their own and grow it in yeah. a way and grow it in ways that you never even thought you the, the program could yeah, yeah. so Absolutely, I, I think mentorship and, and community in all aspects is, is something critical that we really. and if you could find that right person is, is awesome to have. Yeah. Was that was there anybody like that for you growing so, up or, or or getting to where you are? Yeah, so I was very fortunate that, you know, I had an executive director when I first came into the organization that was a really great role model in yeah. terms of, you know, how to carry yourself, that level of professionalism, how to manage an organization, you know. Um, People have, you know, misnomers about nonprofit organizations, but quite honestly, we really have to run like for-profit businesses. Sure. And that yeah, having absolutely. that mindset and understanding how to run a business, yes. um, and having somebody model that for you and what that professionalism looks like, mm -hmm. and then somebody who sets incredibly high expectations for themselves and for you as well. So, yeah. at Community Action, we never lowered the bar. We okay. never, <laughs> we we never lower the bar, and okay. that's you have to, and you know, that's the expectation is to step in, be able to run, and keep up. So, okay. um, you know, over the, over the years, you know, our organization has evolved in terms, of, in terms of organizational climate and culture. You know, we're a little more family-friendly these days, a little more conscious of work-life balance. Absolutely. But at the same time, the time yeah, yeah, but at the same time, we still need to maintain that high level of performance because yeah. that's what the community expects of us. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're serving a large demographic or a large yeah. population like that, you have to. Yeah, and I've had a chance to work for a couple of executive directors or a couple of supervisors over the years. You know, when I lived and worked in St. Louis, I worked for an organization called Wyman Center, which just celebrated its 125th anniversary this wow. past couple wow. weeks. That's incredible. Um, it's one of the oldest youth development organizations in the country. And so my supervisor at the time, who is now their executive director, was a great role model and mentor. So everything I know about youth development, everything I know about family development, I learned in those years working for Wyman Center. Mm. So... Is that where you were directly before you came into the role at Community Action, or what's kind of the timeline? There? Oh boy, so <laughs> so I worked at Wyman um, for several years when I lived in St. Louis for five years, and then I actually worked for um, an organization called Wesley House, which was a small community center. I know that actually. Yeah. One, one of my yeah. good friends is from St. Louis, yeah. and she volunteered there quite a bit. Okay, yeah, so their executive director at the time... Um, Actually, I met him at um, some meeting, and he said to me, and I, he just walked up and he said, Mark Perry. So we've heard <laughs> yes. and seen all these amazing things you can do mm. when you have the backing of Wyman Center and when you have all the support and all the resources you need. 
I'd like to see what you can do when you don't have all that. Let's see if you can yeah. really be successful. Yeah. If mm-hmm. it's really about you and about the work you're able to do, or yeah. if it's about the, or- the tremendous organization mm-hmm. you're working for. Sure. So, wow. <laughs> yeah. So okay. that challenge came. Different extremes, absolutely. Yeah. So. I took, took this job at Wesley House Association. Wesley House had been around a long time, mm-hmm. but at the time it was struggling quite a bit. So yeah. stepping in as the current as, a, as the executive director is number two to focus on first bringing stabilizing programs, our yeah. youth programs, some of the other programs in the, in the agency, getting kids back into our after school program and summer program, because yeah. Wesley House was in a pretty challenged neighborhood. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the most challenged neighborhoods in our country. So mm-hmm. stabilizing, the, getting to know the families in the neighborhood, getting to know the kids, making sure they knew Wesley House was a safe place to bring their kids back to, get bolstering the programming, bringing in volunteers from around the community and actually around the country. We were able to bring volunteers in during the summer months and really get that program, the summer program back up and running. Working with our funders to get back in good standing with our funders to make sure resources were pouring in and then starting to secure new funding. But I spent four years in that, four plus years in that, at that organization. Actually had a chance to serve as executive director for a period of time too um, on the interim. Um, Oddly enough, our executive director actually fell ill, so I had to step mm-hmm. in for a period of time wow. to take on the executive director role. Mm-hmm. But working in that neighborhood, getting to chance to really build strong relationships with the families and the kids in that neighborhood, really mm-hmm. getting to see their growth and their progression, um, seeing what happens when you can expose youth to other aspects of life because for them a lot of our kids were the neighborhood was everything yes. it's what they knew mm-hmm. they went to school in the neighborhood they lived in the neighborhood they were, the weekends were spent in the neighborhood so being able to bring people in and expose them to other professionals other careers other people yeah. but also getting them out of the neighborhood and exposing them to other aspects of life so they could see yeah. it's hard for kids to imagine that they can be something else or do something else if they never get a chance to see it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's one of the things we were really successful And actually, Wesley House is still very successful at to this day, mm-hmm. running different programs and services. But that opportunity to kind of rebuild a, pro- a long-standing yeah. program, get it back into a stable place yeah. where it's, you know, where it's it's really valued in the community and valued in the city of St. Louis. Yeah. But the real impact was those families and those kids having a chance for them to have a stable place to go every mm-hmm. single day. Yeah. So, so sure they're successful. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and watching their the growth and the evolution of the kids from mm-hmm. you know over a four or five year period to see that change in them, that positive growth, that positive change. Kids who didn't think they had access and opportunity to much figuring out that there was much more out there in the world than they thought, and they had access to much more than they ever thought. Gives me like goosebumps on my arms. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just really meaningful yeah. work. You know, it's just like exactly what you said. That's a quotable moment of kids don't know who they could oh, yeah. be, what they could do if they don't ever see it, and that's a yeah. huge part of it. Absolutely. And kids weren't really working with kids or doing this work wasn't my original plan. So, yeah. when, so when I was in high school here in Beloit, I was editor of the school newspaper, the <laughs> Beloit Memorial okay. Crescent. So my goal in life one day was to be managing editor of U.S. News and World Report. Wow. So okay. it was a, so, so I, political managing. So I love yeah. politics and government and history, yeah. and I love writing. So that's that what journalism exactly yeah. that was my mission. And then I got to college and started volunteering with some youth programs, after school programs, things like that. And then got involved with an organization called Camp Heartland, which was actually founded by a student at UW-Madison who, wow. who lived and worked lived in Milwaukee, but it was during the early 90s, during the, the heart of the AIDS crisis. Yeah. So he founded a camping program for youth who were impacted by HIV because during that time, a lot of traditional programs, agencies, schools, communities, really weren't very accepting of children with HIV. So he wanted say, to say, what was that climate like? It was really bad. So if people want to Google something or study something, read about the life of somebody like Ryan White. Okay. So Ryan White was a young man from Indiana 
um, who was, I think he was diagnosed at, at a very young age, but during his younger years living in Indiana, thing, people did, you know, he was banned from his school. He was banned wow. from a lot of his programs. People threatened his family. I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, things happened to his house. You know, his house was vandalized. His family was threatened. There was a lot of negativity around it because people didn't understand how HIV was transmitted. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there was a lot of misinformation. So children and adults with HIV were really treated poorly. Mm -hmm. um, so creating a safe haven so that kids could come and just be kids. Yeah. Um, for that time period that they were at camp, they could just, they didn't have to worry about the stress and anxiety right. because we knew what was going on, they knew what was going on, and everybody was just, it was just a safe space. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was really kind of the life-changing experience I had that time. Those, the, the summers that I worked at Camp Heartland, it really changed my outlook. You know, I was, it, my goal was to be the person telling the story as opposed to being a part of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I could not wrap my head around the fact that people would mistreat children regardless mm -hmm. of what was going yeah. on with them. No. So mm -hmm. that you would discrim knowingly discriminate against a child was really hard. That was incredibly hard for me to stomach. So that kind of started that journey. Um, yeah. And then p after that, after I finished school, I started working for Wyman Center, mm -hmm. running their youth program. I started off as actually an adventure assistant. So okay. running um, ropes so courses, fun. cave program, cave exploration, <laughs> river trips. Okay. school camp stuff like that That's awesome. I, yeah, yeah I started off I was living on a campsite in Imperial Missouri making $45 a day <laughs> okay <laughs> that was my first That's job as an adventure <laughs> assistant and over time I worked my way up in Wyman to um, director of all their youth programming yeah so, which was an incredible, a, which was a really great a full experience. Circle moment. It was, it was, because yeah. again, it wasn't initially my path as a younger person, but once I got exposed to working with youth and then coming to St. Louis and seeing um, the the disparity between the haves and the have-nots, yeah. yeah, and seeing some of the kids, you know, because we worked with kids from the affluent suburbs and we worked with kids from the inner cities, from the housing projects in St. Louis and East St. Louis. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that all kids deserve quality programming. We used to say that all kids deserve camp. Yeah. Some kids just deserve camp more than others. <laughs> and so for our kids that we were coming working with in the cities and the housing projects, getting them out to the campsites, exposing them to that different kind of lifestyle, um, giving them an opportunity to see and experience things that they wouldn't have otherwise yeah. was an incredible thing to be able to do. So, mm. yeah. I worked as, at a camp for a while. I, so I worked at, I don't know, you're just sparking my, my passion yeah. about the gang. It's just a cool place to oh, be yeah. working at a camp. But I was a counselor for a summer at the place that I grew up going, which was a cool full circle moment. And then the summer of COVID, I was hired to be one of the co-directors that summer. And mm -hmm. then there was no camp because of COVID. Oh, yeah. And that was one of those times where it's like, kids need that. So many kids need mm -hmm. that. And the place that I worked was in Michigan. And it was kids from the Chicago inner city suburbs mm -hmm. from like all the Midwest. And it, I don't know, I think I felt that impact more than I ever had when I was working in the absence of that kind of programming and it put into perspective how important that kind of consistency oh, yeah. is for kids because kids count down yep. all year long till they can go to camp, especially if it's their safest place, mm -hmm. their most fun place, the place they've got three meals a day, two snacks a day, exactly. a, a full night of sleep, right? right? Like time unplugged away from things that might be hard in their life. Yeah, no, I, I have a lot of passion around that, that too. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to hear your story yeah. with the camp side of it and how it translates I mean, there's learning experiences in every job, but I think that kind of setting is so oh, yeah. intense because it's 24 hours a day, yeah. and like you're with them or you're you're sleeping in the same room as them, making oh, sure yeah. nobody's sneaking out the door or whatever. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I relate to that too. I think when I started working at the YWCA, I I didn't really have the exposure working with children mm -hmm. or families or anything like that. But then when I started there, I worked directly in the same office space with. Mm -hmm. uh, the child care program and helping them with summer camp. So any activities or any 
community partnerships I can bring to yeah. the organization mm-hmm. and, or give a kid a new experience or connect them to somewhere they don't have been to. Yeah. That's awesome. I feel yeah. rewarding with that. I know. <laughs> it's, it's just something that gets you excited. Yeah. I don't know. It's just something that you can see the difference in real time, too, and a lot of people can be involved yeah. in it more than at this higher level of careers of nonprofit work mm-hmm. and that kind of thing that might be harder to get into or sustain. Yeah. yeah. I guess speaking of the nonprofit side of things, you've had a very robust career path mm-hmm. in it, obviously. And I think this podcast is neat because it gives people who are rising professionals at any stage or any way they define mm-hmm. that kind of a roadmap of certain people. And people have probably clicked on this episode and interested in the community work side of things. So I guess it could go two ways with the question, but if you ha- do you have any advice for someone looking to go into the line of work that you found yourself mm-hmm. in or and or if you had advice to give to your younger self, that kind of a question. So to so people looking into getting into human services, the one thing I, uh, I would say is that um, a critical skill is the ability to write. Yes. If you can write, you will always have a job. Yes. Yep. One of the reasons why I've always been employed is my ability to write grants. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the ability to write grants is a, or the ability to write is at a premium in nonprofit organizations. Mm-hmm. So if you have that skill set, you will always be employed. So it's one that I would say, um, whether you're doing direct service, whether you, no matter what you're doing, it's a skill set. If you have any inclination towards writing or any ability, you want to further develop. It will take your career far. It will open doors for you um, and open opportunities for you. Mm-hmm. So that's one. Um, advice to my younger self? Um, understand, uh, learn and understand more about se- secondary trauma and self-care. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, when I was a kid doing this work in the 90s and the early 2000s, there was no conversation around secondary trauma or self-care or work-life yeah. balance. We worked ridiculous hours. Just go, go, go. Just all the sure. time, all the time. Mm-hmm. So it was a different environment and a different universe. So part of that is, I say that because I don't know that I fully enjoyed mm-hmm. all the things that I got exposed to or really, you know, and as appreciative I am of those experiences because they shaped me. Right. I think there's some things I missed out in terms of pure enjoyment of the, some of the opportunities that I had, especially just even as, a, you know, just as a lowly adventure assistant. I mean, <laughs> you know, I had one of my jobs for a sem- for an entire school semester was picking up kids, eighth grade students at Mo- Normandy Middle School every day and taking them on cave exploration trips. I pick them up in the wow, morning. We take like them out. We go over cave ecology. We take them to the cave for the day, come back, debrief, and take them back to school. And I did that. And that was, just, it was a fun thing to do because I had a new group of kids every single day. So it never Never got boring. Yeah. yeah. So just you know, just interesting things like that. But you know, in the time you're just moving. Right. You get in, you get the kids, you get you do yeah. program, you do the trip, you get out, you know, and you don't just take the time to realize that you're having an impact. And it really wasn't until, you know, a few years later when you would start I'd start running into kids that had gone yes. through programming with me and they'd be like, Do you remember that time we went to? And they would remember like every detail of yep. the program, every detail of the week or every detail of the summer. So and, you know, and I didn't as much. I know. So taking that time to really enjoy all those time periods when I was younger and I had those opportunities, amazing opportunities to get exposed to some incredible young people and really understanding, too, the tremendous impact that I was having mm-hmm. on, the, on, on their lives and not, not really get fully understanding and engaging that. So that's, yeah. that would be the advice for me is to take some time to take stock of what it is that I'm doing and the impact that I'm having. And I do more of that reflection now as I'm older, yeah. as I'm much older. <laughs> <laughs> that so. transition from being a young person, 
who has mentors than people that you're like all I think all of us have those people mm -hmm. that we were those kids thinking about that one time mm -hmm. or that mm -hmm. one week or that one person like yeah. I'm sure we've all got handfuls of memories of I'll never forget what this person said mm -hmm. to me and how it stuck with me yeah. it's an interesting transition in your young adulthood of you become that person mm -hmm. to other people and that's like one of one million things that nobody prepares you for for when you become yep. an adult it's just like it's a new sense of responsibility, but it's also in, an incredible honor to become mm -hmm. that person to other people. Yeah. But I don't think, like you mentioned, you don't realize mm -hmm. that transition has occurred yeah. unless there's the reflection. And that's something that, yeah, I've sat with that as I've transitioned from, you know, being in a schooling system to, mm -hmm. to being in a working environment to, you know, now advancing in the working environment, having people that ask me things. It's just interesting. Like, sure. it can apply in all aspects of kind of the rising professional yeah. Oh, yeah. life cycle, whether mm -hmm. it's in your personal life or in uh, your work life or if work feels more like fun, like some, some jobs do, right? Like a, yeah. in an adventure role or that kind mm, of thing. Sure. I don't know. It's an interesting transition. Yeah. Or, or what someone says sticks with you. Yeah. and how how mm -hmm. that changes your life yeah for for better or worse i guess it's kind of a lot of yeah. pressure to become that person <laughs> yeah or not even knowing it well time. exactly to be in a place now where people come back to me and say remember when you said to me blah 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 yeah. You're like, oh You're gosh, like, did that really stick with you? Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. what, and what else did I say that I didn't realize I yeah, said? Yeah, what else did I do? Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. But yeah, you remember those those moments. I mean, it, and working with youth, you know, at, you know, over the years, you learn there are a lot of things that kids won't remember, but kids remember their camp counselors, kids yes. remember their camp directors, kids remember their teachers, kids yes. remember good, bad, or indifferent. Kids remember yes. those moments. So. You know, just recognizing that every day that I got a chance to interact with kids was an opportunity to influence and impact somebody's life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, understanding how precious that is now, yeah. you know, as I get Tremendous. older. Yeah. Because as I get older, you know, the role, the, the, you know, the evolution of that, too, is the evolution of my role and my connection to youth. Because mm -hmm. when I was 25, it was a totally different circumstance. And now that I'm 51, it's more of a parent figure, more of a father figure, as opposed to kind of that closer in age ability to connect and engage so you have to figure out how to evolve if you still True. want to be effective so you know I you know and that's been an interesting journey just figuring out how to make those connections differently so that I can still influence and impact and so that young people still want to connect with me and gravitate towards me True. That's so. a whole side of it I didn't even think about. Mm. Yeah, you've got to evolve to stay relevant and continue have to. to make the impact. Have mm. to. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, we don't listen to the same music. We don't wear <laughs> no. the same clothes. Right, yeah. it's different. We don't hang out in the same spaces. <laughs> yeah. So the yeah. role the role you take on becomes different, but it's still just as effective, yeah. if not more so in some cases, if you know how to make those connections. True. And a lot of it is just about being your authentic self. I yeah. can't, I don't know, what, I don't have any idea what it's like to be 17 now. Have yeah. no clue, yeah. and I don't, <laughs> and I don't compare my seventeen to their seventeen because right. the worlds were completely different. Yes. So, yeah. just trying to understand, help, help them, help me understand what the world looks like through their lens. Yeah. So, what keeps you motivated? Um, kids. Yeah. Families, people. Every day, I'm in the fortunate position that every day that I get up and walk into that building, I have an opportunity to greatly influence somebody's life. Mm. Yeah. You know, and that is something that I take very seriously and I'm, and, and I'm very humble about because it's an opportunity that most people don't have. And it's also an opportunity I don't take for granted because people don't have to trust you. Mm -hmm. yeah. People don't have to let you into their lives. So every time I make a connection with somebody, it's gold. Every mm -hmm. time somebody allows me in, every time somebody trusts me enough to allow me to help and support them or to clue me into what's going on with their lives or to help me, let me celebrate their successes with them, mm -hmm. that's the motivation. It's just that, it's that opportunity to engage and connect. It's the thing that's 
it's it's the thing that's worth the most in this in this business. It's it's why I get up every day. It's it's mm -hmm. because there's that opportunity and you'd never want to waste it. And every day is not a win. Right. But you know you have the opportunity the next day, so you go home, you brush yourself off, yeah. you get up in the morning, and then you come back in and you get and you try it again. Yeah. You yeah. make sure that you come in. I always, you know, I tell my staff all the time that every day people deserve our best selves. Yeah. Mm. So trying to come in with that mindset. There's a lot of things in the world that we can't choose, but the one thing we can always choose is our attitude. Yep. Yeah. So trying to come in and choose my attitude every day to make sure that I'm giving my best self to my staff and to, and to our participants. Yeah. Some and I'm successful a lot of days, but some days I'm not because you know I'm a human yep. being. So right, some, exactly. some days I have those days. Ebbs and flows. That's yep. one of my favorite things, perspective-wise. Like, there's I love the saying about there's only two things in life you can control, and mm -hmm. it's your thoughts and your actions. Exactly. And like I think it's it's very empowering. It's also a little bit like of a oh wow okay mm -hmm. kind of moment. Cause it's like wow, oh, there's yeah. nothing I can control, but it's empowering in the sense of. Mm -hmm. You choose how that day goes mm -hmm. from an internal perspective. Exactly. You, can't ex yep. you can't control the external mm -hmm. yep. kind of things that might be thrown at you, but coming coming to work and figuring out what, what can help make you the best you, I think that's where it kind of ties oh, into what yeah. you mentioned earlier about figuring out on an early on standpoint of what you can do to recharge, how you can take care of yourself because you can't pour from an empty cup. you got to be able to figure yep. out yep. what you can do to have that perspective in the morning of, all right, this is going to be the day that I make it. I can control my thoughts, mm -hmm. my actions, and nothing else. What's it going to be like, and how can I come in and set myself up for success? I think that applies to everyone across oh, the absolutely. board. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That attitude, that, that those things that you can control are critical, and being mindful of the things that you control and not relinquishing that control to somebody else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. Mm. Absolutely. That's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so do you want to speak any more about um, community actions like programs or anything at highlight or just explain a little bit about them? Yeah. So, you know, the great thing about our organization, again, is the multitude of programs that we offer, but that focus on housing, the focus on youth programming, you know, that our one of the programs that I love, it's probably my favorite program in the agency, is our, is our Fresh Start program. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I've been around that program ever since its first year in 2006. Its first year was my first year with the agency. <laughs> um, but that program works with young people who um, struggle in traditional classroom settings. So they mm -hmm. enroll, you know, we enroll them in our program. We have our own DPI certified educators, so they go to school with us. Our program is unique among the hundreds of youth build programs across the country because we have actually have a partnership with the school district of Beloit. So our kids are actually re-enrolled in the district. Um, and get a chance Huge. to earn their diplomas yeah. as opposed to their GED or their mm -hmm. SHAD, SHED yeah. when they go to school with us. But it's interesting to see the evolution that happens from the time those kids come in with us in August till their graduation in June. The change in self-efficacy, most of all, mm -hmm. that belief in the belief in yourself that you can do something or accomplish something. Because yeah. a lot of the kids that come in our program are kids who haven't, uh, haven't finished anything. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. they, ha they haven't completed something. So the ability to come in and complete their academic mm -hmm. studies, the ability to come in and earn a bunch of community service hours, the ability to come in and learn how to build a house and yeah. see the house completed and sold, those, you know, those things that they can check off, the certifications that they earn over the course of the year. It is a very intense program. We put a lot of time and energy and effort into it. Um, and, the ki and for most of the kids, they get everything out of it that they possibly can. Yeah. Um, you see that you know, you've seen the evolution of over, you know more than 500 kids who've gone through that program in the course of the past decade and a half, and it just it's incredible because those are all kids who would not have otherwise graduated from high school. Right, mm -hmm. absolutely, and it's hard to teach that. 
that motivation, mm -hmm. that effort, and to take pride in your work. And, um, you see so much of it, maybe in the community that you wish, like, ah, it, you know, if they they put a little thought about it or passion about it or figure out what drives them to it, mm -hmm. they could go so much further. And so to see that happen, a uh, fresh start, fresh start program, that's that's amazing. Yeah. Well, and the biggest part of it for our kids is just creating a safe space for them. Yes, absolutely. you know, it is, it's that I bring kids in so that they know that they have adults who care, who are going to nurture them, who are going to mm -hmm. support them. My fresh start staff go. I mean, it's not even the extra mile; it's the extra ten miles <laughs> to make sure the, to make sure our youth know that they are welcome and accepted and appreciated. Mm -hmm. And all of our staff within the agency, whether they're directly involved in the program or not, all do that. All yeah. go that extra mile to connect and engage with those young people. But most, the most important aspect of that is young people who don't who historically haven't had a reason to trust adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for some reason, trust. come into our organization and allow us in their lives and allow and and trust us. And you can't take that for granted, and you can't diminish the importance of that. If you're a young person who's grown up and you've never had a trusted adult in your life, yeah, and then we're asking you to do this, we're asking you to trust us. Well, we have to earn it. Right. Yeah. So, but then over time we do, but it is them being open for one more time. Right. You know, no matter how many times adults have failed them, them being open to allow us to try to get in. Mm -hmm. You know, I do a lot of work with youth all over the community, and we're, I'm doing a lot of work in schools. And one of the things over the last couple of years I've talked to kids, young people about in elementary school, middle school, high school, yeah. is can you identify a trusted adult in your, in your life? Who yeah. is that trusted adult? And unfortunately, I'm finding, and regardless of race, ethnicity, age, socioeconomic status, I'm finding way too many kids who cannot identify that trusted adult. Yeah, that's that's well, difficult. Yeah. Yeah, so we got to get adults back to adulting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And recognizing yeah. their role and yep. acting accordingly. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of common themes that I'm picking up of. I feel like that sentiment of getting adults back to being adults, a lot mm -hmm. of it stems from the mindset of you can only control your thoughts and your actions. You're in charge of how you act and what you do. And also that idea we talked about previously of the impact that so many people mm -hmm. have made in all of our lives. It can go both ways, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It can go, oh my gosh, I'll never forget what so-and-so said to me when, as my fifth grade mm -hmm. math teacher. Or it can go... I don't have a single interest adult adult in my life because of all these adults that have done the opposite of what they said they were going to do or just didn't yeah. show oh, up, that right? That so. trust and safety. Oh, yeah. It's important that you walk the walk because, yeah. you know, one of the things I tell everybody, all the adults I work with, especially educators, is that, and parents as well, kids are always listening and paying attention, especially when we think they're not listening and paying attention. Yeah. So what we do in those moments where we think our kids aren't listening or can't see us or can't hear us, that's when it's most relevant because they absolutely are hearing and seeing what they're saying because we're seeing it in their actions and their behaviors. Yep. So yes. conducting ourselves a certain way all the time so we can make sure we're modeling correctly for our youth is important. Adults have to be, be mindful of the fact that we are we are their educator. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I was talking to a group of teachers just yesterday talking about, you know, we're talking about ages and stages of child development and talking about understanding that like, you know, that seventh grader that you're having issues with, remember that seventh grader is still developing. That yeah. seventh, Everything that seventh grader is encountering, they're encountering for the first time as a seventh yeah. grader. Yeah. So they're still learning and growing and trying to figure it out. Plus, they have all these other things going on with them. So a lot of what you're, you're, you're having issue with, if you study ages and stages, is just 
normal beha- developmental behavior, exactly. of course they're doing that, they're 12, or of course they're doing <laughs> that, they're 15, or of course they're doing that, they're 8. So exactly. understanding ages and stages of development and not getting frustrated, but also being an adult and providing that pro- those barriers and boundaries mm-hmm. and the proper context for kids. Yeah. One of my favorite sayings is that it's a child's responsibility to push boundaries and an adult's <laughs> responsibility to set them. Yeah, yeah. that's so. huge. Yeah. Wow. The yeah. perspective on it, too, of, I mean, in the heat of the moment, working with any kind of situation, kids mm-hmm. or adults, having that mindset of, like, listen, like, it's going it, to, it, you can't control everything, and you've mm-hmm. got to keep in perspective this might be the first time somebody's encountering this child or adult, regardless of how they grew up, who they are, what they've been around. I don't know, I think that's the perspective that almost can take you out of a situation oh, yeah. and more of an outside looking in and give you the chance to, you know, exactly. take a deep breath and be like, listen, this is one moment in time. This yes. Isn't forever. And yes. also, if I'm looking at this situation 10 years from now, am I going to be proud of how I handled it? No right. matter what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And I, can, I have the opportunity to make a positive or negative impact. Either way, I'm impacting. So it's mm-hmm. up to me how I handle this yeah. and the impact that I make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I always coach people to take, when you're, when you're about to engage with somebody, to take a second, breathe, mm-hmm. do that self-assessment, and make sure you're ready to engage yeah. so that whatever comes out of your mouth or whatever action you're <laughs> about to take is the correct step, is the correct action, because mm-hmm. often our initial reaction to things, especially with kids or especially in a crisis situation, yep. will often get us into trouble. So okay. you take a second, you take a step back, you assess the situation, you assess yourself, and then you step, you figure out what's the, what the best way is for you to help and support, yeah. and then you step in. Yeah. Right. So. Helps take the emotions out of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Set them up for success. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. One one too many angry emails have been sent <laughs> by, by a lack of that deep breath moment. Well, <laughs> we, we were talking about that before I was on the air, you know, the situation this week, but my fir- the first email I wrote was an email that... Didn't need to, wasn't for public consumption. <laughs> so you get that out of your system, and then you Look know. Look at it for a while. Yeah, you, backspace a lot. <laughs> you have that thing in your head. Don't click send. Yep. Don't click send. Yep. Don't click send. I've had a few of those. Yep. You yep. get that out of your system. You get yep. rid of that. You sit back for a second, and you go, okay, how am I going to be most effective in this situation? Exactly. What are the words? What do I need to say to convey the information that I want to convey so that other people clearly hear it and understand? Because yep. I can rant all I want, right. but if I don't convey a message that other people can 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 hear, other people can understand, other can, people can agree right. with, then I haven't communicated well and I haven't been effective. And it's always, you know, it's a lesson I learned early on about the difference between being the loudest person in the room or the smartest person in the room or the most effective person in the room. Mm-hmm. Sure. So figuring out how to be the most effective person in the room is always where I'm trying to land. Hmm. Yeah. I'm getting a lot of good foods for thought. I'm like, all right. <laughs> I have that tendency to be one of the louder in the room. <laughs> so this is a perspective for me as the extrovert. Also, I'm one of the only people on my team who does my job. So it's kind yeah. of that way where it's expected from oh, me. Oh, yeah. Sure. Where it's like, what do you think? And sometimes yeah. what I think is shaped by what other people think. And the people who are smarter than me, they're doing it longer than me, mm. or who have different perspectives, right? So. It's a good thing to take away for sure. Yeah, it's how we use our yeah. voice. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting because I'm What's very much an introvert in this job, which is mm. a very public role. Yeah. So, so you have that balance of figuring. You know, I I'm, I routinely take the steps back because I have to because I have to find my comfort zone or my comfort level, and then be able to step a couple steps out of it to then be effective and do what I do because I'm very much an introvert. Yeah. 
You wouldn't know. <laughs> I, it's, yeah, I heard. it's something that you've got to. People say that to me too. That, right? Yeah. Like it's the mindset of walking the door. It's like, all right, I'm on now, right? Yep. And then you're on. When you're on, you're on. Mm-hmm. And then when those yep. moments you get to turn it off, you turn it off and, Recharge, and you breathe. Fill yeah. it up a little. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But again, when you're on, people deserve your best self. It's yes. true. So. It's true. It's hard to navigate, but yeah. it's very true. Yeah. I guess shifting gears a little bit, I think the it's unique to have a guest on that is a Beloit native returning to Beloit. Mm-hmm. I don't I mean not maybe unique in the sense of that it never happens, but you're one of our few that has been in that situation. Mm-hmm. And we always like to kind of think about and ask, what have you seen big changes wise? I mean there's been a lot of big changes, yeah. but from your perspective and your time in the area, what have you seen how the community's grown and changed over time? So I grew up here at a time when Beloit was, you know, Beloit was a really pretty thriving community. So downtown was amazing. You had all these shops and stores downtown. People shop, people down. It was really busy here. The river, the riverfront was well populated. People utilized it a lot. Like it was just a really fun, safe place to grow up. And as a kid, I mean, I remember we didn't lock our doors, and my parents mm-hmm. left their garage doors up, and it was that kind of place in the '70s and early '80s. And then when I went off to college, you know, as I, before I left to college, you started seeing some of the evolution. You started seeing businesses closed downtown. We had from the issue with some of our larger industries starting to shut down or people being laid off. And you saw the deterioration over time. And then right just before I moved back, you know, in 2006, and I come home and visit periodically, you started seeing this uptick in the community. And so it's been really cool to see Beloit reinvent itself. Yeah. You know, downtown is once again thriving. The riverfront is absolutely beautiful. We have an international film festival. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, there are some things about the community that are incredible. There are also some things about the community that we still need to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. As much as we've grown and as much as I've watched it evolve, as much as I enjoy the evolution of, we're still a very segregated community along socioeconomic lines and racial lines. So if we can figure out how to address that issue and make sure everybody's at the table, that would be something that would be incredible. But that's, that's the one area that I think maybe we're, that we're still really struggling with is how do we, how do we take advantage of the, of the unique diversity that we, because we don't look like any other community in Wisconsin. Yeah. So how do we take advantage True. of the unique diversity that we have in this community and make sure everybody's at the table and everybody's enjoying the fruits of everybody, the fruits of labor and the fruits of this great uptick in the community so that everybody feels welcome and accepted. That's the one area I think we, can, we need to work on. It is, um, it's important because we're a small community. The thing I've always loved about Beloit, my favorite thing about Beloit and my least favorite thing about Beloit is the same thing. Beloit's a very small community and everybody knows everybody. And my least favorite thing about Beloit is Beloit's a small community and everybody knows anybody. But the cool part about our community is that when you get everybody rowing in the same direction, I don't think there's a problem we can't solve. Hmm. And that's awesome. Like you see things getting addressed, problems getting solved, people rolling up their sleeves and getting in and kind of trying to keep that mindset and that spirit all the time and again making sure that everybody has a place at the table and that as as the community becomes more successful and involves and continues to grow that everybody's part of that growth and nobody's left out. Yeah, Uh, that representation and opportunity really matter. Yep, yeah. I mean, one of the things about human service work is it's kind of that double-edged sword. It's ne- it's necessary because we work with people who need it and people in crisis. Yep. But mm-hmm. you want to get to the place where the work that you're doing is as minimal as possible so that you have as many people as possible yes. who are successful and thriving in your community. Mm-hmm. So. I think on that same note about thinking about community transformation and everybody's got to play a part in that, right? Everybody's mm-hmm. got to have a seat at the table or at least have the basic knowledge to know about what's going on. Right. I think one way that people can 
do that and take action with that is by getting involved with places that they care about. Oh, yeah. And for people who might have heard your story today and what the and what the community action does, are there some ways that the rising professional crowd listening oh, to sure. this podcast could get involved and anything you'd like to share there? Yeah, you know, we're always looking for board for new board members to bring fresh fresh blood to our board. We're always seeking volunteers for our youth programs especially. The more I always say it all the time, the more adults from diverse backgrounds that we can expose our kids to, the better off our kids are. I want our kids to have an idea of a million possibilities that they could do, but then also people being willing to roll up their sleeves and come in and not just talk to the kids but give them not un, help them understand what the steps are to get to yeah. those places you know it's one of those things I talk about a lot is that we we give kids we do a great job of helping kids dream we do a terrible job of helping kids plan mm. so how do we spend yeah. that time with them beyond that so if a kid says I want to be X Y or Z having adults who can sit down with that young person and help guide them through those steps yes. so they know exactly what it takes yep. to get from this point to this point mm. You know, I have young people say to me all the time, want to, they, you know, we want to be, they want to be me. And I'm like, first thing I tell them is, don't be me, be ten times better. <laughs> but I also tell them, you need to understand all the steps that it took for me to get from where I was to where I am now. And yeah, are you yeah. willing to do that? Are you willing to take those steps? Right. If you are, happy to help you guide yeah. you through them. Yeah. But it's it's got to be about the thing. It's got to be about that end goal that you really want, and you got to be willing to put the work in in between. So if we can help young people understand what those steps are and help them plan, we can get more young people who are, more young people will be successful. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of nailed what this podcast is about: is navigating that journey. How yeah. how do we do that out of college? Yeah. We do yeah. all the education, okay, but it might not go exactly the way we want it to. Or or how do I get to that point that yeah. I want it to? Or, you know. No, I really value a group like Rising Professionals because I know that you have that. In addition to, you know, as you're all working on your careers and growing in your careers, you're also thinking about the rest of the community and how you can be involved and how you can be engaged. So that's really critical to have people who have that mindset who want to do more than just go to work and get their paycheck. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that, that. that want to create yeah. a sense of community. So everything from joining our boards to volunteering at our school program, reading to our kids at our child care center, volunteering to do things with our seniors. Um, going out on going out in our community sharing garden as we're getting that up and yeah, running for the spring. Yeah, I just talked to Caleb the other yeah, day. So yeah, so the sharing awesome. garden is about to be it, that share. I tell Caleb all the time that sharing garden gets more attention now than any of our other programs <laughs> or services. It yeah. is, but it's a testament to you know we we started that garden back in a gentleman who worked for us by the name of John Ramstead started that garden back in 2007 with a small plot of land and mm -hmm. it is he grew it and grew it and grew it and yeah. then Caleb has stepped in again. You have that next mm -hmm. person step in and you see the evolution of it. Oh, to where it's one, yeah, yeah, it's one of the most prominent programs that we have in the organization. Yeah. And it actually does what it's supposed to do. Every time I'm in the garden in the spring, in the summer, in the fall, you watch families come in and they go shopping in the garden. Mm. And yeah. it's just cool to see that's because great. they feel that's safe the, that's and the, welcomed. Uh, Merrill Community Center of Sharing Garden. Yep. Yeah, look oh, it yes. up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we're always looking for volunteers for the garden during the weekend and the weekends in the summer and in the spring and the fall. So that's one to reach out to us for that. Um, but yeah, if you want to get your hands dirty, you want to get involved, we have lots of different ways to do so. Yeah. And I guess, um, like logistics wise, what are some of those things look like? I guess time, people probably want about time commitments or oh, training or anything from an hour or so to a full day, you know, a full day commitment or, you know, we do a lot of internships. We, have, you know, we'll have multiple college students in doing internships in different departments this summer. So if you're looking for something longer term, we have that. But if you're just looking, you have a group and you want to do something for a few hours or a day, mm -hmm. we have that as well. We always need. We always have something. We own multiple buildings across two counties. Yeah, so yeah. and lots of equipment and lots of stuff and lots of programs and lots of people. So yeah. there's always if there's something you're interested in doing, 
there's always something we have. If you have a couple of hours, believe me, we have a meaningful opportunity yeah. for well, you. Well, that's great to know, though, because <laughs> yeah. I think half the battle is mm. people don't know where to go. Yeah. They, they want to get involved, they do care, but they don't know what to do. Oh, yeah. And so these kinds of resources are so important. I know, like, for my employer, we have an eight-hour paid day ex um, of volunteer work, mm -hmm. yep. and usually... The projects are to places that we've done before because someone has a connection, right? Yeah, and, and you've so all been out to our program sites before. Yeah. yeah. And we love having you. But yeah. it's, it is, it's get, and making sure that all the nonprofits in the organization, in the community, that we're getting the word out about the opportunities that we have so that more people can get engaged because there are a few of us who get a lot of attention, which, believe me, I appreciate. Yeah. But right. there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people in, in the nonprofit world in this community doing amazing work every single day. Spread the wealth. Yeah, yep. yeah, <laughs> yeah, every single You will never hear me say anything disparaging about another organization because everybody's working hard, everybody's heart is in the right place, everybody's doing good work to make this community better. So you volunteer for us or you volunteer for somebody else I don't care yeah as long as you get out and get involved exactly no that's what it's all about to see yeah. that meaningful change people mm -hmm. got to get plugged in and we're people who work in those areas we're responsible for helping people figure it yeah. out and making those resources readily available for sure so we've all got a part to play oh yeah that's awesome yeah. well I guess we're kind of nearing the end here probably if there's anything that you'd oh, want wow. to I know it's, we've, we've been going for a while okay <laughs> but, but if there's anything that you we haven't touched on that you'd like to speak to or, or topics that you'd like to make sure get included in this um, I, I guess I got a question uh, sure. what sure. goals do you have for community action or for yourself uh, coming up so you know as the agency continues to evolve we're really looking at further investing in our employment and training programs really looking at helping especially individuals who are coming out of the criminal justice system, okay. helping them get employed and making sure that they're stable. Yeah. One of our biggest goals has always been to decrease the recidivism rate. When people come out and they come into our programs, we want to get them placed and get them stable so that that temptation to do whatever they did before is taken away. Um, that's, a big, that's a big thing for us moving forward is continuing to invest in those programs. The other is as we look at child, as we look at early learning and literacy, yeah. um, making sure that child care is accessible for all families yeah, in this community. Child care is huge exactly, right now. exactly. So <laughs> that's another one. Yeah. We're looking at it, you know, our child looking at child care expansion um, for the agency in the next several years. Um, and then the third piece is always about housing. So, yeah. you know, we yep. know that the only way that we're really going to solve housing is by creating more permanent housing that's yeah, affordable. Yep. So figuring out what role we can play in that with private developers, with, our, with, pu with the public sector, yep. and making sure we're playing our part. But we have to have more housing. Yep. We just, at all levels, we yes. have to have more housing. So that's... Yeah, those are kind of our big three. And then, you know, for me personally, it's, you know, it's... <laughs> I You know, the, it's... You always, I, I want to make sure that I leave community action better than it was when I stepped in. That it yeah. is, when I walk out, when I retire, or, wh or whatever that is, that it is still the stable, or it's still the financially stable, programmatically efficient, effective, and evolving program that it was when I walked in. Um, that our profile is higher than it was when I stepped away, um, and that we are still well re respected and appreciated in the community. Mm -hmm. So if I walk out and the organization is still in that space, I will feel like that I have fulfilled what I was supposed to do. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Wow. That's awesome. I think that's a that's yeah. great note to end on. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time yes. today. Coming no, on. thank you. Thanks for having we are, me. We are humbled to have you on the podcast. Yeah. It really means a lot to us. No, sure. I appreciate it. Thank you both. No, thank it's very been much. awesome. I know people will be excited to listen to this one, and I think it'll be huge for people who want to get involved in any capacity, whether it's they're working in this in this space of serving people, they're looking to make that transition, mm -hmm. or they're going to keep their day job, but they want to make sure that they're pouring into their community where they live. Yep. No matter what it is, I think that's really important for them to hear. So thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it.
All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening today. We appreciate it. Beyond the Resume is hosted by Andrew Galaner and myself, Abby Otto. The show is edited by Andrew Galaner and is produced by Jackson Lowe's. The Bullet Rising Professionals are a program of the Green